Hey, welcome to the Life with Lauren podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Arrow, and I'm here to talk all things beauty, wellness, and real life. No topic is off limits. We're going to cover it all. I'm so happy you're here with me. Thank you for listening. I am so excited for this episode because I have Shannon, who is my injector slash everything. I'm so excited. I know. So I've been going to you for... Over three years now. Mm-hmm. I started right in the beginning of 2020 and then COVID happened and I still kept going to you <laughs> even though well, you, sh- you had to shut down. We had to shut down. So I had but... to like, I had a pile of people. I'll never forget like opening booking and I was like, it's open. I'm like, get online because <laughs> I didn't know how to put everyone like, I'm like, how do I do this? So yeah, I just opened up a free for all. <laughs> but now I feel like you're even more booked than you were back then. Like for me to get an appointment with you, it's three months out. It's like. aggressive. It's <laughs> aggressive. Very just, grateful, but it's very, uh, yeah, I just had to, you know, just tell people to pre-book and it's hard. I think that's something that we struggle with as injectors. Like we'll just work ourselves to death. So Shannon is truly like the best injector I've ever had, which is why I'll never leave you. Even if I ever move out of Nashville, like I will find you <laughs> and just fly in for my appointments because you're just so talented and I just kind of want to go into your background a little bit because mm-hmm. I mean you're an NP so mm-hmm. that she's a nurse practitioner and you work in a hospital doing like heart stuff like completely unrelated right yeah so I a couple times a month still work where I did before I got into aesthetics so I work with transplant advanced heart failure so we work people up for LVADs manage them pre post transplant and I love it, and I just don't think that I could ever completely get rid of that aspect of it. It also, I think, comes into play when it comes to, like, critical thinking. I don't know. I just feel like it, it's just something that I need the balance of. So, yeah, I just do it a few times a month, and it's fun. It's fun. And plus, I love to see all my, my friends there. I love that you... <laughs> run a full business with staff and you still work I know I love it though I show up I was like I don't have to order anything I do not have to do payroll I get to clock in like everybody else this is great and then go home yeah I get it I get that so how long have you been on the medical aesthetic side of things a little over four years so mm -hmm, I know it's weird I feel like it's been longer because I've known you for so long and I feel like when I met you, you were like fully booked. Like you, I mean, really? Yeah. I thought it was definitely longer than that, but you, I mean, she's constantly going to trainings. I'll never forget when you went to the cadaver training. I was like, they're like, turn the head to the left. I was like, um, there was four of us and I was like, who wants to do, I don't really want to do that. Yes, there was somebody that it was it was fascinating and I've never even in nurse practitioner like grad school things like that We never worked on cadavers. I think we did cats and undergrad cats and a frog, but Yeah, it's a little different never did human never head. but learned a lot and it's nice to be able to see anatomy in that in that way versus you know a book or things of that nature, so mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. And now I mean you go to a lot of trainings, but you're also a Galderma trainer. So mm-hmm. tell me about that. So it's just something I've always wanted to do. I love teaching and I love that portfolio. So Galderma, they have Disport, Sculptra, and all the wrestling fillers. And so I'll do like on 
on-label trainings for different clinics. And then of course, I love teaching off-label. So like technically a lot of the th a lot a lot of the things we do are off-label. So when people sign their consents, they're also consenting to off-label treatment because like for example, like tear trough filler, uh like Rusty L, like it it's my favorite, one of my favorite fillers, but it um Rusty L. So Restylane, just plain Restylane, Rusty <laughs> Classics, we'll call it. But I love using it for tear troughs and um I it's not on label. So like if people want me to train them on that, then they just stay later and once the It's not on label for that? Mm -mm. Is there a filler? Well, we're gonna get in the filler, but okay, that's really interesting because I do I feel like you've I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, so you can cut me off, but the way that you do my filler, like my lip filler especially, where you will use two different types of filler in my lips. So you'll do yeah. like one in the outer and then one in the inner. So a lot of times if I do lips or, or whatnot, um, sometimes it takes two different types of filler to kind of get what you're wanting or what that person particular needs. And so I just need to do what is best for them because for example some people have a lot of lip tissue and they just want more hydration and some shaping but if I go in and I only use a certain type I'm not gonna be able to achieve what they want or I have to start with a certain type and then once the tissue is filled out then I'm able to go in with a, a more like robust filler if that's the look they're going for mm -hmm. so sometimes it just takes different types to get people there and so um we have our practice set up to where you charge for the service and it allows uh versus some people charge different prices for different types of filler like oh volume is this amount lift is this amount well then it allows the patient to choose what they're what they're wanting and right they're gonna not, buy the they're gonna stuff. yeah they, they may be like you know what i'd rather just get that like i can that'll give me you know a little extra money to put towards my disport treatment but for me, I'm like, that's not the what I would choose for you. So I'd rather just charge for the procedure and do what I find is best for that patient than them be able to dictate what mm -hmm. they I love are that. wanting. Because my lips are really challenging. So like she has to lift them and make them bigger. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to butcher how I'm saying how to do this. It's held up good. It, they look great. They look it's really good. Months. Like I think it was last August. So it's been I think you're right. Very long time, but don't even look at my forehead because my I have full movement, and I want to talk to you about that because <laughs> not because of me. mine's worn off as well. I need to do mine. So. <laughs> Who are we? I'm like, yes, I own an aesthetics company, and yes, my disport is gone. <laughs> so you own an aesthetics company. What is your favorite treatment to do to mm. people? Well, as most know, I love fillers and. I love results for Morpheus, but I, like, Jen laughs at me, I was like, I can't, it's not my favorite thing. Like, I don't know what it is. I guess because I can't see the results right away, and it's painful, it's not so the people most are probably yelling at you the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Morpheus, um, I, I have another video about Morpheus if you guys want to learn more about it, but it's so painful, and you have the laughing gas. I have laughing gas, thank God. And it, you have to pay extra for it, but if you're getting Morpheus, pay extra for it you because want it. it hurts so much. You want, you're going to want it. You'll want it for sure. <laughs> so I love, I've gotten, I've like recently had an obsession with uh, Sculptra 
I love, love, love Sculptra. Um, Radius. But I, I love every all the things that are out. So, um, and then I'm going to start doing a lot of like hyper dilute radius in the neck decollege area. So I'm excited about that. Hyper dilute. So would that be for like my neckline? Uh-huh. Oh my God. I'm so excited about that one. <laughs> I'm real pumped. I'm real, yeah. It's a, it's a cool, it's a really cool product. I just love learning and like trying different things and there's different reasons why I would choose one area over another. Um, but yeah, the results are really pretty. Um, and then sculptures like your, I love it because it changes. First off, all my people that like, I've got a lot of runners and things like that. Well, you tend to be, you know, if you're an avid runner, not everybody, but they tend to have, they're just a thin frame person. They don't have a lot of body fat. And so a lot of times they'll have a lot of hollowing. <clears throat> You can't really fill those areas with gel. They're going to animate weird. They're going to look puffy. So if you do Sculptra, then they get that collagen stimulation. They look natural. It fills in those areas that are lacking in volume, but in a natural way. And it's your own collagen. It's not so how product. What is that noise? Oh, that's the stinking ice maker. Sorry, it's loud. Oh. <laughs> We're at Shannon's house. <laughs> so what? Anyone want fresh ice? Um... <laughs> What is Sculptra? Like, how does it work? Because, I mean, I guess we could talk about that first. Yeah, I, I kind of like... <laughs> um, so Sculptra is, like, it's a big, long name. It's it's P-L-L-A is what the abbreviation is. And what it does is it causes a mild inflammatory reaction, and that inflammatory reaction causes collagen to form. It's basically... I think the best thing that I've heard in a training is if you want to look the way you do now in 10 years, then you need Sculptra. Because, you know... Aging is a culmination of multiple things. It's it's volume loss, like fat pad, atrophy, dissension, bone loss. So you're really trying to target all those things. And I think the people that look the most natural, at least, you know, that I've seen in other practices, they're using a lot of modalities like sculpture, like Morpheus, these things that stimulate your own body to do what it's starting to not do, which is produce collagen. Mm -hmm. I think we lose like 1% every year past age 18. So I'm like, at what point do you have none left? Um, so oh if you can, I know, so if you can stimulate those things and maintain like the natural, like architecture of your face, I feel like you just have a more natural appearance and truly like anti-aging. So that's what sculpture does. It's one of those things that's kind of a hard sell until people truly understand what it is that you're doing. So a lot of people, it, you know, you look amazing when you leave and you're just in awe. And then 24 hours later, you're like, I don't know what I just paid for mm -hmm. because it's, it's, it's a powder. It's mixed with. Um, water and reconstituted and then you inject it and so you get to see what our end goal is when I do it that day but then it goes away and it takes about usually the treatments I've been doing them like first treatment eight weeks apart second treatment and then three months from there a third treatment if they need it and then it's just once a year but it really is the one of the best things and I tell people if you are going to get into an aesthetic if if I compare that to a Porsche because we're all luxury vehicles. So if you buy this Porsche, you love it, you want to maintain the Porsche. And so you've got to go in for maintenance to do this, 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 and this to keep it a certain way. The anti-aging process is identical to that in my opinion. So like if you're wanting to maintain where you're at or improve certain things, it's going to be a process over time. There's no one time fix for those things. And so I think that's a misconception of a lot of 
people is that you, you go in you're like, okay, well, I want cheek filler and I want my lips done. And then they expect to see these results that are online. And I'm like, no, those are two years of, of medical grade skincare, Sculptra, dermal filler, Morpheus, microneedling, mm -hmm. consistent neurotoxin. And so those are the things that, you know, um, people need to realize. So when I'm selling Sculptra, I'm like, look, this is just part of our long-term plan and you're going to see improvement and you just got to be patient. So, um, in having those talks with, with my clients, I feel like I've really changed their perspective and I've gotten them into more of this collagen stimulation type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just makes them look so natural. Like they look so great. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, so right now I haven't tried sculpture yet, but mm -hmm. I've done all the different fillers mm -hmm. basically all over my face except jawline or chin. So I don't need that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, if I were to do a sculpture, like where would I inject it? Or do you just inject it all over and kind of like squish it around? So like I would probably, honestly, I'd probably do back here a little bit. Just, so she's just pointing to like my jaw. We call it the preauricular area. So it's more, it's like the area kind of close to your ear where a lot of people get hollow right there. A lot of volume loss, especially on the side that we sleep on and then our jaw. So like for you, I would probably not have to do a full three. You just don't have a ton of volume loss. So for you, it's more of this just kind of maintaining. So I may would, would just take like a vial and fill that in a little bit, pop the gonial angle. Your gonial angle is like the angle of your jaw on the back um, just to maintain that structure, not really to correct. Mm -hmm. um, Can you do it under your eyes? No, like, you cannot oh, you can. do sculpture under the eyes or around the mouth. Yeah. Which is where we all notice our wrinkles yes. first. <laughs> yes. So the best thing for under eyes, I probably get that question more than anything, is I'm obsessed with PRF. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not even answering questions. I'm just, like, going on a rant. Well, that is one of my questions. Oh, it is? Okay. So, and I, I'm actually coming in to see you this week, yes. and we're doing some PRF. Yes. I think. Yep. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so PRF is platelet-rich fibrin. It is is another thing that I recommend to patients as part of their whole thing. Um, so basically what it does is you draw the blood, you spin it at a certain like RPM, which is a speed. You separate the red cells from the um, growth factors, fibrin. And what makes it different than PRP that people are familiar with is that PRF is almost like an extended release version of PRP. So the fibrin matrix that's left in PRF, I'm going to mess this up, the, um, allows the growth factors to be released slowly. The slower the release, the more collagen stimulation that you get. And so that's why it's preferred um, under the eyes. And so what I tell people is people that have a lot of, it depends on people like I have dark under eyes. It depends on what the cause of that is. Some people that are more olive skin will have hyperpigmentation. So you treat that totally differently. Um, but for people that, you know, like me, I've got, I'm really light skinned, um, pretty pale. And so you see a lot of my vasculature underneath my skin. So it looks dark and purpley. It's because that skin under your eyes is so thin. So what PRF has done for me is that it's thickened that skin up for me so that you can't see the blue and purples, which is just the normal vasculature under the eye as much. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like I need as much concealer. It also has helped with some of the, like the fine lines and things that I felt like I was starting to notice. Um, so I, I absolutely love it. It is something that does also take time like Sculptra. 
Um, it's usually three treatments, like six to eight weeks apart. And then I, sometimes I'll just do it as a maintenance, you know, every three to four months on people while they're getting Botox or something. Cause it's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And sometimes when people are wanting their tear troughs and stuff done, I mean, that's a whole other chat, but, um, sometimes I have to do PRF first because I have like, there's no, the skin is so thin that there's nothing to cover that area. So if I put any sort of filler under there, rather it's blended, unblended, whatever we're doing, you're going to see it. Mm -hmm. And so it just depends on, you know, the patient. But I think if people are wanting, I just want anti-age, like whatever I can do, just maintain where I'm at. I don't want to change the way I look. I think that is definitely one of the like pillars of that. So PRF, PRF. for under eyes mm -hmm. or Sculptra in the jaw or, the jaw, or yeah. where other people are losing volume. Yep. So like you, so you said you could do PRF with Botox. Can you kind of mix and match? So like, because I have filler in areas and I want to keep that volume, would Sculptra help keep that over time as well? Yeah. So I think for you, like, like as like certain things fade. Now, the one thing that I know that you probably would still want a little bit of fillers. Like I know that you like a very subtle, like lateral cheek. Mm -hmm. So I think for you, you'd probably still want like something there, yeah. but other places like mid face that people are losing volume, like as their filler dissipates, like do sculpture there. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, people have, one of the things I learned in training is, well, what if I have someone going to an event and they don't like, for example, I had a patient, she's awesome. I just love her. And she, her temple volume is just taking a while. It's definitely improved, but it does take some time. And she had an event that was super important. And so in between our sculpture treatments, I did do some filler there. Mm -hmm. And so I told her, I was like, the worst thing that can happen is if this, once the sculpture kicks in, after we do our like third treatment, if it looks puffy, I can just dissolve the filler portion of it. If you're okay with that. So it's like a discussion that I'll have with them. If they are like, I need, I have something, let's get it filled up mm -hmm. for now. Yeah. So, that's um, cool. yeah, so you that's can what mix she said. And match. She's like, you can mix and match. Um, if people don't have anything big coming up and they can just wait it out, have them wait it out. She's like, you know, do other things that where they get that instant result. Like everyone loves a little lip. Mm -hmm. So do a little lip filler on them, do their disport, put them on some good skincare and they'll enjoy the results of that while the sculpture is kicking in. Cool. Okay. So that's Sculptra, which I've never had and I'm so excited so to fun. try it. Can you put it in your like cellulite? Yeah. You can put it, you, it so um, you can kind of put it every everywhere if you wanted to. So it's it's great for crepiness in the knees. So is Hyperdilute Radius. Um, and I'm talking about these things as my personal preference, not like anything company related, but just what I've experienced and other injectors and talking to them too, because I love like exchanging knowledge. But um, yeah, so like I think for like, honestly, I think one of the best things for cellulite is doing sculpture or radius, like fill and fill out, like we don't have to have like a J-Lo booty, but you could fill in like hip dips. So like the, you know, and some people are like, what are hip dips? Like if you were to stand up and look at the back of your butt or hips or whatever, it's kind of like where your hip, literally dips in and then you have like the rest of like your curvature mm -hmm. you can fill that in so like everything looks more you know yeah I got hip dips after lipo yeah so that would be perfect <laughs> you could fill that in but how many syringes would that take it depends so and how do you charge like do you charge per area or per, per syringe so that is something like you know we're in Nashville we're you know that's the hard thing like we're not in Miami Miami they'd be doing 
I actually had a client go, she, a couple clients actually, they've gone to Miami to have like radius put in their, their butts and it looks good. It looked real good. <laughs> um, but that's more like their, like every area I think of the country has their own like What's radius? Thing. Is that the same as Sculptra? So it's different and for me, I'd have to like pull out the studies on both because it's one of these things actually that I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of questions, especially in training for Galderma, like why would you use radius versus sculpture and blah, 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 blah. And I think for me, it just depends on what I'm treating and where. For example, um, one of the things, there's a risk with every procedure that you do. When you're injecting sculpture, this is why I tell people like, if I give you homework to do, you have to do it. So you have to massage for five minutes a day five times a day for five days have to have to because it helps keep and I massage patients before they go home to kind of show them but it keeps collagen pearls from forming and it also helps with that initial inflammatory response that's going to stimulate collagen but there is a risk for these little pearls they're like little nodule type things it's just basically a bundle of collagen it's not anything that's harmful it's not anything that won't go away but it takes time for that to go away and you can't dissolve it. You can't dissolve it. Because it's actually collagen that's formed in like a little... Um, I've, knock on wood, I've never had one. I'm very like strict with these patients and very careful with how I inject it to, to alleviate that risk. But I don't want to risk that in the neck. So I don't prefer to use sculpture in a, in a neck because if you were to get a nodule, the, you have to have a biopsy. I can't sit and tell you that that's 100% a sculpture nodule. What if it's not? Right. Massage harder, guys. <laughs> you know? So, Radius doesn't tend to have that. So, I'd rather just use Hyperdilute Radius coupled with Morpheus and treat it that way. Mm -hmm. So that, But as far as the body goes, I don't think... I'll, 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 as I start using more Radius, I don't think that I'll know exactly my preference. Like, what I see better in one circumstance or another, but I think they're both like pretty, pretty cool products. They both stimulate collagen and there's different types of collagen. So I can't sit without a study and tell you exactly what type of collagen each one does, but I know that radius stimulates collagen and elastin and then sculpture stimulates collagen, but I'll have to get back on more studies. We'll just have to do another podcast. But okay. from what I know, those are the, the some of the differences. And the thing that's weird about radiate, well, not weird, but interesting, is that you can use it as a filler. So if you don't dilute it out, it's got one of the highest G primes on the market. So for like a male jaw, it's just amazing. The thing about it is you can't dissolve it. So like if you have an un, an, you know, something that doesn't look that great or you're kind of stuck, um, <laughs> or if you have a vascular event, you're like... We'll flush it with a bunch of saline. And she talks so, about these things like we know what she means, like so, a vascular vent. And <laughs> so, like it, from that perspective, like it makes me, you know, a little nervous. But I think, you know, I, I like Dan put it in my like pre-jaw here like a week ago, and I'm I, I'm obsessed with it. Like it, and the reason he did that was for a couple things: longevity. It's also going to help with some stimulation too of like collagen and elastin and things in the areas that I lose a lot of volume. So yeah, I mean, all these products, they're, they're really, I love them all. So that's so interesting because that's, I had Lauren from Sunday Skin, mm -hmm. who you're actually doing a training for later today. Mm -hmm. I had her on the podcast a couple weeks ago and she was saying that she's noticing her patients are going more towards the natural mm -hmm. rejuvenation instead of just filling me up. Like let's, yes. what's the long-term treatments I can do to try to prevent 
long-term aging because it's harder to fix things I feel like once they've kind of set in then you're kind of working with what's left yes and that's like a conversation I have with like patients too because you'll get these patients like in their late 30s 40s 50s and they want this like instant fix well we didn't age overnight so I can't reverse the, that aging overnight mm -hmm. And so I agree with Lauren that like people are wanting more natural stuff. And I also want to like gear them towards that. Cause there's this big talk right now on like filler fatigue and it's this, you know, just adding more filler, adding more filler, but people don't realize like what they look like or what they look like prior mm -hmm. and they just keep adding more. And then all of a sudden you've got like a Courtney Cox situation happening where you've got <laughs> you look we're insane. Like Madonna. Um, like, what has she done? People. I mean, no. No. And filler doesn't disappear like people think that it does. Like, I, w I would love, and I'm sure there's studies out there, actually, I know that there are, where, like, if you were to image somebody, MRI, CT, whatever, like, you can see filler there. It, it, it lingers around, mm -hmm. which is why we treat it like an implant, which is why we ask all the questions that we, we do before we treat you. Um, but yeah, I think over time you're just filling areas and there's a point where you can do all the anti-age stuff and that's going to buy you a lot of time as far as like not having to go the surgical route. But then there's a point where like you just need surgery mm -hmm. and I'm very honest about that. And it's not me insulting my clients. It's me doing what's best for you to get the better, to get what you want. Yeah. And you're going to spend all this money on filler and this and that when really you just need a facelift. Right. That's like, people will ask me, like, should I get lipo or cold sculpting? And it's like... Lipo. Lipo. Because at get the end done. of the day, you have to go back a bunch of times for cold sculpting, or as lipo is like a one and done. Yeah. So, like, same thing if you need, like, a bluff, like a upper or lower eye bluff. Like, just get the surgery. There's not... Don't put the drop. I mean, the drops are cool. Like, I think that's awesome, and I'm not bad bad The up knee drops. knee. They're super cool, and they're great because they'll stimulate, like, you know... For like, if you, God forbid, God forbid you get a lentosis from tox, but whatever, you can help What's with that. Lentosis. Yes. Oh, the droop. <laughs> like, oh. Show so, the camera. Show like the this. droop. Like, if you were, yeah. So that's why I tell people, I'm like, no Groupons. Um, no Groupons. <laughs> so, no Groupons. Um, but you can use that, those drops to stimulate like the Mueller's muscle, which is the opposing muscle um, that will help lift the lid. You can also inject tox there and all of that. But, um, the, the up neck I think is really cool. Like for example, I know I had a, a client a couple years ago that has a natural lid ptosis on her, I can't remember exactly which side, right side I want to say her, it's just the way her muscle is. Like there's not, you can have surgery to fix that, but she didn't have time. She was like, you know, getting ready for events and school and all this stuff. So a couple drops of up me, boom, she looks amazing. You can't even tell the difference on each side. And it's a daily thing. It's like, it yeah, it's almost like an, a, the end of the day. Yeah. And it's, it's cool for like an event. Like if you were kind of contemplating surgery and you're like, I just don't have time, but I do want to look a little, like a little more open, not as tired. I think that's a cool option. Mm -hmm. I think it's a cool option for complications as far as like lid ptosis. You can actually put it, if you get a lip ptosis from like DAO talks, you can actually put it in that, the opposing muscle, I believe, and it will like even you out. It's pretty weird. It's pretty wild. It's, it's you actually- You can inject up knee. I think you can like massage it in. I've seen it on a video. I have, Do you don't sell it? I don't, because I don't feel like I would use enough of it. Um, yeah. I thought about it, because I think it's really a neat product for people that just want like a quick fix. 
but I always tell, I would tell people even if I did sell it, like, Hey, this is just temporary. Like you still need a bluff. Just go get the real deal. But yeah. in the meantime, you can use these. Right. That's how I feel about those Lumify eye drops. I love them. What is that? It's the whitening eye drops. They make your eyes. Oh, that's it cool. It looks like you have a filter. But I don't recommend them for use every day. Like, mm -hmm. use them when you have an event or a photo shoot. Like, you don't, like, don't use it every day. <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's crazy. The active ingredient in Upneak is Afrin. Really? Mm hmm At just a different percentage. Oh, interesting. Interesting. I know. I'm like, it's fascinating. How Afrin's the nasal spray. Correct. Which I was addicted to nasal Me spray. Me too. Me too. Okay, you have a nose job, right? Yes. Okay, I heard, I saw this on TikTok where this girl's like, I can't pick my nose anymore after my nose job. She's like, if I had known this before I got a nose job, I would not have gotten one. And I'm like, oh, why are you picking your nose? I pick my nose. I mean, if I have like, if I'm getting ready for an event, but I'm not like... Well, you, have, you can't with those I nails. I can't with this. I'll like end up having a nosebleed, but... That's my thing. If my nails are too long to pick my nose, I cut them. <laughs> That's weird. I don't think I've ever had any... But you don't pick your nose, so I guess you're not the person. I mean, if I see something, I'm like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> but I think I don't think I would have. I wonder if something structurally is messed up. Like she really messed up her. Or something. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to pick your nose. <laughs> okay. Anyways, we never got to pricing on like how you charge for sculpture. I just realized we just oh. kind of like dropped that. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I changed the subject. But what is so like? You said it's per area or by area? Oh, so normally you need at least, depending on the person, but most of my people that truly are in need of Sculptra, which Sculptra's whole backstory is wild of how they developed that. We have to tell it. I'll have to tell it now. Okay, so Sculptra was actually developed back, I, I want to say, whenever those the retroviral drugs came out for HIV. Hmm. So Maybe. one of the side effects, mm -hmm, what the medication side effects caused facial like fat atrophy and so people were super gaunt so they developed Sculptra to counteract just like in Dallas Buyers Club if you've seen that with Matthew yeah. McConaughey how gaunt he was it's because those medications did that to people so they developed Sculptra to treat that wow it's been out forever it's just one of these things that people like I don't feel like people really talked about and they've definitely relaunched and revamped it and um I think initially when all this stuff was coming out like I mean, I don't think Juvederm, like Ultra, came out until 06. Mm -hmm. Botox was approved for cosmetic use in 02, and I don't quote me on this. I feel like Dysport was approved for cosmetic use in 09. So, like, all this stuff is really kind of fairly new. Um, but to the question, <laughs> we charge 800 a vial, typically two vials of treatment. A lot of, and you can use your reward points, and sometimes they'll have like little packages and things that we can we can offer. Um, so I'd say on average, it's probably like 16, 15 to 1600, depending on, you know, any promotions or anything going on a session. Okay. And then you said every couple of months you mm -hmm. come back. So it's, it's an investment, but then after the first, once you get it where mm -hmm. you want it, then you just do maintenance every year. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that, so you do three treatments and then they should be good for a year. And then sometimes I don't even need two vials at their yearly appointment. Um, but the nice thing is it's, it is. I give them the upfront cost and because it's spaced out, like they basically have six months, you know, you've got one treatment, then you got two months, another treatment, then you got three months from that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's nice that you can kind of like space out. Yeah. That is nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And sometimes they'll have like these promotions that show, like I had, 
it was like $250 worth of coupons just in random people's boxes for their Gadderma rewards. And they got that off if they did Sculptra. So mm-hmm. like, that's so, pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. You Okay, if you're not signed up for all these rewards programs, sign up, you have to because you save so much money in the long run. They have coupons constantly. Constantly. I know I like Allie, which is uh, Aller, yeah. Allergan's like Juvederm, Botox. They'll have like buy $50 gift card, get 50 bucks. So then mm-hmm. you have $100 off. And what I tell people, if they're like, well, I like Dysport better. Or sometimes they don't. They, they like Botox. Everyone has their preference. Um, I'm like, you could still use that for filler. You could still use it for peels, like Skin Medica. I love Skin Medica peels. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's an Allergan product. So they, you know. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me, actually. I have bought so many of those back in Do you like, still have them? I still have them. They don't expire. Because we switched to Dysport and Restylane. So like, I just... everything's in Yeah, girl, you can do a peel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. So I want to talk about filler because it's made such a difference for me. I started getting filler when I was 24. I started with my lips. Like, Juvederm, half a syringe. I think I only did like a quarter of a syringe and I was panicked. Yeah. But I love it. And now I like the old pictures of me and I'm like, who is that girl? Because my under eye hollows were so bad. And now I feel like that's not even something I uh-uh. think about anymore. She, um, so I did Voluma or what's the Galderma version? We've done Voluma and um, I did, I believe, like contour the last time. Yeah, and my cheeks. Mm-hmm. And so I do my cheeks differently where I like to add to the outer, like kind of closer like to the my lateral, ears. Like the lateral portion. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I have a really oval face and I feel like it just gives me a little bit of dimension. But then we also did my piriform, which mm-hmm. is the little divots right next to your nose. And that kind of just does so much. So I want to talk about all the areas that you can do filler on people and what filler you would use where. Honey, you can put that stuff anywhere. <laughs> um, so I'll touch on a couple of things that I think are important. So you get a lot of people that will see these celebrities or whatever and they'll they'll be like, I want her lips or I want her cheeks. Well, she's so beautiful. Well, what you're noticing about them is their face is balanced. You're not, no- it's yes, they have a feature that's really pretty, but the reason that they're attractive or attractive to the, the human eye is because they're balanced. So like their cheeks flow with their, you know, like their upper face flows with their lower face. Um, and so a lot of times when people are like, oh my gosh, I look so much better than I did, like you were saying, is because you kind of balance the face a little bit more without totally changing the way that they look, but just kind of harmonizing things. So I think for me, that's, that's what I love about filler is kind of enhancing like makeup basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like someone like me, I could never have Angelina Jolie's lips. Like my lips no. would just never get there. And so, but you've done such a good job shaping my lips. Like my lips, there's no before and after pictures because I know always I'm like, uneven still. I'm like, no, I'm just going to leave that off. <laughs> but, but for me, like I just, I'm so much happier with them. And they look better in person than they do in pictures. It's weird. Yeah, it is weird. And so there's just certain things that like people are just never going to have. Like, you know, like Lauren's never going to have these, like, even though she may think that Angelina Jolie's lips are beautiful and she would love that, but it wouldn't look good on her. And so that's where I think like aesthetic providers need to make sure that they're like gearing their treatments towards what's best for them versus what they're wanting. Cause patients don't know. I mean, they know what they like, but they don't, they don't understand it. Um, mm-hmm. 
So I think it just depends on what fillers and, and how you utilize them, where you utilize them to get those results. And so I don't even know, like, how do I go through all like my Let's reasoning? start on like face, forehead down. Forehead down. Okay, so I'll start with upper face. So temples, I love blending Russell and Lift or blending Russell and Define. Could I do my temples? Because I'm actually noticing there's like a bone here that oh, yeah. sticks out more just a yeah just soften so it like, a little bit mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys can see this but so my temples are kind of starting to go in and that happens as you age mm -hmm. unfortunately so you can actually put filler in your temples and you were saying that it makes like a horrible popping noise Is yeah that... oh like if you're because you use cannula and so you just kind of cannula is when you it's like a, it's a it's a it's not a needle per se it's a blunt I don't want to say needle. It's a blunt. Like a needle with a hole in it. Yes, but it's not sharp. So it tends to be a little bit safer, causes less bruising um, because you're not poking a million times. You're, you know, you make one insertion point, you're able to work through that insertion point. So where do you go in for the temple? I usually go in about right here, like a little bit, like right, right above like your lateral cheek. Okay. And I'll go up and fan. Mm -hmm. So I love those those products. Sometimes I'll do Ultra Plus there too, blended, but either one of those three, like I love them. As far as lateral cheeks or cheek filler, depends on the person, depends on how thick their skin is and what I'm trying to achieve versus, so like each filler has something called G Prime. There's a graph that you can look at that all the fillers are on, like where they meet and in, in how flexible they are and how much lift you get. So. G prime is the amount of force that it takes to change the shape of the filler. So how much force does it take for you to smush that filler down? And Russell and Lift is probably one of the highest G prime products on the market. And then I think we'll have to look, I've got the chart. I kind of have it memorized, but not all of it. <laughs> and then there's flexibility, which is like, how much can you stretch it before the filler breaks? So is that high G prime, like the further you can stretch it? Or? No, the G prime is more like the lift. Oh, gotcha. So, like so you Voluma can kind of see, so Voluma be... has a little more flexibility, I believe, but the lift is not as high as Rustle and Lift. Mm. I think the only thing higher than Rusty L, I, don't quote me on this, would be Radius. Mm. And you can't dissolve Radius, so no. we don't want to do that <laughs> in your face. Yeah, I think the only time I would use it and personally, this is just me personally, this is not other injectors and by no means is, is using that product. It's just everyone has their own preference. Mm -hmm. um, I love, like if I had a guy that had a really weak jaw and like we really need to do some work, would definitely, like I love it here. Like I just feel like you get a, it's a totally different look than any mm -hmm. other product. Hmm. It's beautiful. Um, so filler, by the way, you can dissolve filler. So if you ever, like she did my cheeks one time and I freaked out and we literally dissolved that same day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that's what's nice because it's hyaluronic acid base and then there's the dissolver. So like if someone has really botched lips or their lips are migrating and they're like moving up out of their lip line, that's called filler migration and you can actually dissolve that mm -hmm. and just make your lips look so much better. Yeah. So I think, you know, back to the whole dissolving thing, like I just feel like that product for you is too much. It's it's a beautiful product and it's great, like Voluma, it's great for certain people, but for you, it was too much. So mm -hmm. I used contour this time, which is very, it's very subtle. Mm -hmm. It's a more subtle filler. So 
And um, I, I'm also, I'm probably one of your most annoying patients no. because I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, it's too much. Oh my, and she's like barely put anything in my face. Like I just freak out anytime. Like even when I get my hair done, I freak out. So this I is, probably could put like water in as, and say it's dissolvent. <laughs> I would never do that, but it would probably, you're probably like, okay, I feel better. I'm like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> probably. Placebo, placebo effect. <laughs> Remember when I first started going to you and you were like terrified of me? I was like, oh my god. And my Botox was so bad when I started going oh. to you too. But okay, sorry, continue. Oh, it was bad. It was real bad. Um so so yeah, so that's the nice thing is like these are dissolvable. So, you know, I always tell people I'm like, if you were to hate it, we could get rid of it like it never happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're on the fence about it, try it. You know, you do have to let it heal typically. <laughs> For, like, I tell people, I think three to four, some people say two weeks, and I think two weeks is, is standard, but I I really think three to four weeks to really, like, let it kind of be what it's going to be before people make the decision to, whether they don't like it or they want more or whatever, you know? Yeah. I think that's a um, good number, because yeah. it's going to swell. Like, right when you leave, you'll be swollen for a few days. It's going to be bigger. Oh, yeah. And what people don't realize is just because you don't see a bruise doesn't mean that you don't have some bleeding under the skin. You know? I mean, a lot of times when you do cheek filler, you can use cannula, too, and kind of get up against the bone that way. Um, but sometimes if you're pinpointing certain areas on a cheek, like, you, you're still going to have some bleeding on the bone a little bit. You know? Mm -hmm. Um... And just, you know, maybe sore just because you can't see doesn't mean it's not there. And I say that because those can take some time to go away and mm -hmm. um, before you judge it. Because if, you know, I don't really do my cheeks that often. I think I did them last year. It was like the first time in four years. And I hated it the first two to three weeks. Like I really wanted to dissolve it. I just, it's one area I hate getting done because I, I just feel very overdone for a few weeks. But after four weeks, I really loved it. And I'm glad I didn't like dissolve that out but yeah the cheeks really really get it's, me every time yeah it's it's the, I think that's the one that got me too is because it really makes your face look different mm -hmm. and so it does. also the thing with cheeks and I don't think you this is for the temple because there is no bone to go down on but cheeks you go all the way down to the bone and then you start filling and so but right yeah temples you can go to bone like you go like the one up one over but the thing with that, if you're doing filler, in my opinion, is you've got the whole temporal crest. Like, you've got this whole area. So a lot of times if you're going down with filler, so you can do it with sculpture. It's good with sculpture. Needle to bone with filler, you're just going to fill a lot of that space. It's going to lift up. It's going to, like, kind of lift up and separate and kind of squish back down like a sandwich. So you need a lot more filler with that technique using dermal filler than you would if you were to fan it like this with cannula. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. Yeah. Cause, cause then on like cheeks and piriform is where you go to the bone. Mm -hmm. Is there anywhere else on the face that goes down to the bone? Oh, Jaw. Um, mid face, you're kind of below what we call the smaz. So you're not really on bone, but you're, you're above it. You're in the deep medial cheek fat when you do like mid face filler. So mid-face is exactly what it sounds like. It's the middle of your face. And when you you told me one time that you don't do under eyes unless you do mid-face. And so, the way you explained that was really interesting. So people, unless they're young and they just naturally have a tear trough deficit, 
a lot of times when people see the hollowing under the eyes, it's in part due to volume loss that people experience. So if you lose volume and bone here in this area and you lose like your fat and your structural support here, then you're going to see more of the hollowing of the eyes. You'll also notice it too if you start losing some of your lateral cheek volume, you'll see the lateral rim of the eye. Mm -hmm. um, She's pointing to sorry. her mid face and like here, cheeks. Here and here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> here. I'm like doing a podcast and I keep forgetting I'm being filmed and so I'm talking like I'm just talking. <laughs> so She's pointing to the area. <laughs> so, um... It, but less is more in the tear trough. It just is. And so you, you treat the area if you have to and you don't if you don't need to. So you have these ligaments under the eye. Orbital retaining ligament, the orbital retaining ligament turns into the tear trough ligament as it gets more medial. So I kind of look at it like a hammock. So if you were to not do the correct support under the eye and just go ahead and put filler in there, well, now you have nothing holding the hammock up. You've got someone sitting in it, and now you just see this, like, it just is not a good look. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure the supporting structures are there prior to doing that just to get the best result. Um, if you, and sometimes with some patients, like, you don't even have to fill, like, they're, like, you can correct those areas. They don't even need under eye filler. Yeah, if you do mid-phase. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, let's do that first and then uh, see where that gets us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's been pretty surprising the amount of people that I'm like, oh, you don't even need your under eyes done. Yeah, which is because I got my under eyes done in 2019 and then we didn't touch them again until last year, mm -hmm. which is 2022. But then we did my piriform, which is the, the spot next to the nose because I started noticing my nasal labial folds, which are the smile lines. It's kind of like from your nose down mm -hmm. to your mouth. And those start to get heavy over time as you lose volume in your cheeks and it's just everything, gravity. But um, you did that, and it just smoothed my mm -hmm. nasal labial folds out, too. Yeah, I don't do a lot of nasal labial folds. Because if I, because those are usually a common side effect from other aspects of aging. And then the people that naturally have folds, like Kelsey Ballerini is probably one of the, like, people that I noticed that on. But she's absolutely stunning, and it's part of what, it's part of how her face is. Like, she's not even 30. So, like, it's not an aging thing. Mm -hmm. So you, as an injector, have to be mindful of the things that make people, A, who they are, because you don't want to change everything, and what their natural face structure does. If I went into someone like her and tried to soften folds, she's not going to look as beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's just part of her face structure. Mm -hmm. So, but if you have somebody who never had those folds before, it's not part of their natural face structure, then usually it's a sign of something going on. It's usually their mid-face is deflated and fallen down. Their lateral cheek volume has fallen down. They've lost some, you know, they have some bone loss in their piriform. So if you correct all of those, then a lot of times you don't even need to go in and fill the folds. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't even, if I do, it's usually just a little bit of fanning here and here. But other than that, I don't really, I can't tell you the last time I've had to just fill a fold. Which I love that because when I used to work at a med spa, that was like if you had leftover syringe because you bought lips, a lip like uh -huh. whatever juvenile for 650 yeah. bucks then it's like well you have Where to use it. it right use it or lose it and so it's like well then let's go into my nasal labial folds and i feel like that's when people get really mouth heavy and it feels oh. it, it just doesn't look good and when you think of bad filler i feel like that's oh, what God. you're thinking of it's i like, just don't understand like and it's funny and i'm sure if my client's listening to this she knows exactly 
she will tell me that at some point she she I love her so much oh my god she just makes me laugh she goes she shows me these pictures and I'm like what is wrong with your smile like you look she goes oh my god my husband was so like mortified well what happened was the injector put so much filler in her folds that like she couldn't think about it guys like filler is gel it literally looks like a gel well our face is not made of gel so if you put filler in places of high like animation how are you supposed to move your face <laughs> like normal you can't you kind of look chipmunky and uh, like bizarre and so she is like petrified of of like nasal labial fold filler <laughs> i i totally get it and i had another client she had gone somewhere prior to coming to us and she i was like they put a syringe in a half they didn't treat anything else on your face they literally just put a syringe and a half in your nasal labial folds like why Whoa. would you do that yeah and it was real hard and i was like mm. massage it was a, a gift from a family member and so she just went where she had a gift card it's a good place i mean i don't have anything against it but like that treatment plan is not that that's not that's not where you would start that's not where i would have started <laughs> because it you know it just you feel it felt like a rope so <laughs> i think there's just a lot of things that people have to take into consideration when they're treating areas and why you're treating those areas and also like look at their natural face structure like i'll you know bring up the kelsey ballerini thing like why are we fixing things that make people a unique to who they are and b something that they've always had mm -hmm. so you're gonna make them look totally different and bizarre yeah that's true. It's not like a one-size-fits-all approach to people's faces because yeah. everyone's different. What makes us beautiful is different on every person. But, like, so if someone was coming to you, what's the most common request you get? Lips? Probably lips. Lips and under eyes are probably the two biggest complaints that I get. Lips, I think, are just fun, and they're, like, if you do them well, like, they really do make, can make, like, what's her name from the hills? Audrina. Mm-hmm. Girl, you're see her without some lips. Oh my gosh. Oh man. And now whoever does her lips does a beautiful job. So I don't know who you are, but you do a beautiful job. And it makes a difference in the world. Like it makes her even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I think if you do them tastefully, they can be done really, really well. And I think it's just something to kind of like that in talks is probably like putting your toe in the water kind of mm -hmm. thing. The under eyes, I just feel like so many that in lines around the mouth. Mm. Lines around the mouth. I cannot so many complaints about that. Do you um, feel those? I don't really have those. Those are, no, those are hard. Those are like really, and I've even asked in trainings like with plastic surgeons, like what, really there's not, you just gotta, it, it's multiple treatments. I have one client and hers looks so good, but we've done, we've done things three times. So you want to subsize them off. So almost like, it's like a really bad, it's like if you took paper and you folded it, really, really tight and you got these creases. I don't know how to describe this. Um, and then you, you glue it down to a table. Well, the only way to get that off is to like get a scraper and like scrape that folded piece of paper off of the table. It's the same thing with that. Those lines are almost like stuck down to like the fascia, like you can't. So a lot of times if you just take a cannula and just work on like subsizing those like getting them off they look so much better without even having to do any filler to them wow 
So, but it's usually like multiple treatments. I tell people if they're really, really bad, they really need like a CO2 resurfacing, like one of those like deep ones where you're going to be out of commission. You're going to be out of commission for a couple weeks. It does work like a charm, but it's one of those things, you know, but in the interim, if you wanted to try, you could do some Morpheus there, the subsizing, and then I'll take plain Restylane and I will just like subdermally go into those lines and fill them and give them hydration and some structure so when people talk, drink out of a straw, a cup, they're not constantly making that face. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's hard because a lot of my women that are in like their late 40s, 50s, 60s, they just like don't want lip filler. Like it's just this thing. And so a lot of times I'm like, you need some structure because some of the problem with those lines is the fact that you you know, you've lost your lip volume. You have no vermilion border anymore. So everything's kind of shrunken and collapsed. And so it allows that tissue to, to fold on itself. And then other times that fat pad that's there also shrinks just like everything else does. And so it's a loss of the fat pad volume, their lip volume. So it just, they're stubborn and you just got to be, I don't, it, I always, uh, under promise and try to over deliver mm -hmm. with those lines for sure. Cause yeah. <laughs> they're tricky. That's interesting. I never, I never think about lip lines, but oh I my gosh, every I, week that and under eyes every week. So have I shown you my anti-wrinkle straw? Uh-uh. Is that a real thing? <laughs> I feel like went super viral on TikTok, but there's two of them. It's like a glass thing where the hole is what? like the straw is shaped like a cane and there's a hole on the top. So you Stop. just go like this and like you don't pucker your lips. <laughs> Oh my and god. And it's a total joke. Like I post this thing as a joke because people are probably messaging like, oh no, where do I get that? I've never sold so many of anything mm -hmm. in my entire life as these straws. And then the other one is shaped like lips. But now I get it because so people lip lines. <laughs> okay, so what else? We've done lips. We've done Oh yeah, what do you like to put in people's lips? Oh man. It's I'm really everything. specific. So like if I have somebody that has, you can always tell they've naturally had full lips. You gotta start with some, something that's not going to end up in the crevices. Because, so normally what I'll do is I'll build their border with plain Restylane. And then I'll probably go in and fill with like Refine. Cause Refine is super, like if you go to the chart, it's got a low G prime and a ton of flexibility. So it's going to be really beautiful in an area like that. And it's going to fill in all the little crevices, if that makes sense. So one of the things in the beginning of injecting that I was finding is like these lumps. And sometimes people get superficial filler migration. Like I've had some clients over time all of a sudden get a superficial lump in their lip. And I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Was that the last time? No, it just showed up. And, you know, and it's those are easy to treat. But what you don't want is to have like lumps everywhere. And so... You've got to make that foundation for people. I'm like, look, I cannot give you your dream lips in a session. It's just not going to happen. Two to three sessions at like half a cc at a time. That's just the way I do it. And I feel like, A, I've gotten the best results that way. B, if you don't like that plan, then you can see another injector and I'm not going to be insulted. But the way I'm here to give you the best results for you and we got, you know, you've got to listen to my expertise a little bit because I've... I don't care who tell, we've all had some weird stuff happen as new injectors. Like 
Godspeed, you know? Um, so in, in learning things and having people come back or just learning that kind of stuff, you, you start to change the way that you do things. So for those people, that's how I start. And then if they come back and they're like, everything's nice and fluffed out. I don't have all those little like crevices and wrinkles in the lips. Then I can go in if they want like, and have the face for it, like a robust filler. Like if they want like a wrestling kiss or, um, oh my gosh, I love all this stuff. I, I, and the thing is in these Goddarmor trainings, I can't talk about like, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I have a, a couple clients I'll put Define in them. I think, I mean, it's this pretty, sh I mean, you can use Define in the chin, but sometimes for their lips and the way that they are and the, their tissue, like it looks beautiful. I've done contour in the lips before. These are all different Galderma fillers. Fillers. It, and this is one thing I like about Shannon is she doesn't, they don't sell you, like you're getting Juvederm XC. Like that's, you bought a syringe of this for this much money. Like she will do what's best for your lips. Like my lips have so many different fillers in it right now, but they look the best they've ever looked. It took us like a year mm -hmm. to get them here and now we're in maintenance mode and they're just amazing. But if, if you had just filled me up with the same filler, my lips would not look this well, good. Well, and I had a client come back to me and, and she was out of town for school. And like, I get it. Like you're trying to find time to come back into town and sometimes you just want your lips done. Well, I'm like, I know I, I did not do that. <laughs> She's like, I cheated. I was like, I know. <laughs> we all know when y'all cheat. So, and it's fine. It's fine. We'll take you back with open arms. <laughs> so they sold her a full syringe, a wrestling kiss. Well, she didn't need a full syringe, but she's like, well, I paid for it. It was $900. So 900. Shove, it, shove it in there. Yeah, this is not here. If I paid $900, I sh I'd make you shove it in too. So, but, but then what happens is now she has overfilled lumpy lips because they shoved in an entire syringe of filler. She already had filler. So it's making people do things based on what they purchased, right? So... That's just not a good way to do it. In my opinion, like everyone can run their practices the way they want to. And by no means am I insulting other people. Some people have the perception like, you know, it is what it is. I sell this at this price. And, but, but look what the choice that it made the, the, cause it's like, oh, in two weeks we throw this out. So use it or lose it. Like you said, mm -hmm. I personally don't I like that. I don't like that either. I and it's not a filler you can use anywhere else. Like, I can't build a cheek with wrestling kiss. Right. So it's not like I could pop a little here. There's nowhere else really to, to, to utilize that. And it, especially in a young patient, I mean, I can blend it down and probably do a couple things with it, but not in someone who's young. No. Or else to put it. Well, and that's something else that you do too, is you, you don't use the syringe that the products come with. Usually you put it into a different one. The control is better that way. So yeah. like, so like you'll, if you've ever had any filler done, they open the package usually right in front of you mm -hmm. and they go in with that needle. Like when Shannon does your filler, she swaps the needles multiple times throughout your treatment. She fills a bunch of different ones with the filler instead of the one that came in the package because the needle's dull as you're injecting, right? I feel like, especially with lips, like with facial filler, I'll use the one that comes with it, but I do switch my needles out a lot if I'm doing needle, a lot more needle versus cannula. Because A, like, that's just the trauma to the tissue. Like, it keeps everything... I don't know. I feel like people just get a lot of less bruising when you're using, like, a... But as far as lips go, I... And a lot of injectors do this. They'll transfer the filler into a BD syringe or a smaller syringe for a couple reasons. The control aspect is so much better versus, like, a big mm -hmm. 1cc syringe. And 
you can put like little bits of product in there so that you can constantly switch your needles and cause less trauma. I just, I love, I love doing that. Another filler that I love to use and I've kind of like coupled it this way and I'm sure, you know, other injectors will have their own opinion, but I saw, I saw this in a training and I was like, that is such a good idea. So if I have a patient who blows through lip filler, I don't know why certain people go through lip filler. Like I can do my lips once a year and they're just going to chill. And some people, it just is what it is. I will swap to like a Juvederm product because it's going to last a little bit longer. And if they have the space to accommodate Juvederm, it looks gorgeous. If you have a small lip, like putting it in, you don't have a small lip, but like prior to doing lip filler, you did. Mm -hmm. It would look terrible in my opinion, because now I've shoved a very robust filler into a small lip. Mm -hmm. So people that can accommodate Ultra or Ultra Plus, I think it's really pretty, but don't do the border with it. So the um, way, so I'll do the border with plain Restylane, shape it and then fill with Ultra to keep it away from the border. So you don't get that bleed out of product or that, you know, mustachey thing. Mm -hmm. If I came to you and it took us a year to do my lips, mm -hmm. would you charge me the five or what? or the six something no i would i usually just charge half syringes so we charge 400 for a half okay this way like people can everyone wins because i'm not gonna overfill you you're not paying for a syringe that you're throwing out because a mm -hmm. lot of products come in half syringes like ultra does ultra uh i don't think ultra plus does Vobella does um, so you can purchase a lot of like half syringes and I just feel like that's such a better way to go. Mm -hmm. I, I, I really honestly can't tell you the last time in one session that I've shoved an entire syringe in someone's lips. I don't know. I've gotten close to a couple people cause you're like filling and I'm like, Oh my God, where's it going? Like they just keep, <laughs> but for the most part, I think a half is like just, I don't know. I think you can shape lips better. I think you get less lumps. I think, you know, over to, it just looks better over time. Mm -hmm. The first session people are, I tell them like, you're probably gonna be disappointed. You'll love it. It'll swell. It'll go down and you'll be like, mm -hmm. after the second and third session, it's awesome. And I can shape your lips better than I ever could with just one session, mm -hmm. but still like in two sessions, you've spent 800 bucks, not including any promos or any of your points or anything like that. So you've paid for one full syringe just in two sessions and nothing got thrown away. Mm-hmm. I think it, and you have to, with anything you're doing and in, in terms of beauty, it's going to take time. Like nothing is going to be immediate. Like, I think that's the big thing. Yeah. People are like, I'm getting filler today and I'm going to look amazing. And they're like, and yeah. And they're like, I'm just, I'm so disappointed. My lips are, you got to give it time. And mm -hmm. so I have these conversations. Like I feel like it saved a lot of like pain on both ends, the client and Plus, you want to give people a budget. Like, I don't care what you're doing unless you're, like, a millionaire, whether you're working on your house, whether you're working on... Mm -hmm. You need to know, like, your upfront cost and if you're wanting to maintain something, what that's going to look like. Yeah. Because if it's not something that, A, you want to come in all the time for, like, I don't really... I'm busy. I'm traveling for work. I got things. I got kids. I got a life. I, I'm not coming every, like, two months to get something done. Well, I hate to, like they're not going to, they're going to waste their money in my opinion. So like, say I don't have the time to do all the microneedling. Well, let's not even do one because you got, yeah. you really need three to, to get the result. And even looking at the studies, like it's the second treatment that you really see this uptake in collagen. Same thing with Morpheus. Like I had a patient not too long ago. She thought that she only needed one Morpheus treatment. And the concerns that she was having was more something that I felt like a would be a better surgical treatment plan. B, she's like, I don't want the downtime. So 
I just want to do one treatment. And I just like, well, I wouldn't do it because right. that's a thousand dollars. Like yeah. you just wasted that. So I think there's just like all these things that you have to take into account. The downtime with Morpheus? It's not bad. No. <laughs> I know. I think people like see the stuff online and they're like, I've seen people get the dots, like the dots on the, the I call it the arm. chicken skin. I have, yeah. yeah. And, but like, it's, it's not really bad. not bad. I, I honestly feel like I heal just about the same minus like if I'm doing any Morpheus on my body or underneath here, I'll feel that like it chicken lasts longer on your, like it from does. here down, your face. The turnover of skin on the body and the neck is a lot longer than the face. So you'll feel, but you can't really see them. And honestly, I felt like I recovered from Morpheus just as well as I recovered from regular microneedling. Mm -hmm. um, I think it just is intimidating to people because it's more like invasive and a lot more painful. We've been talking about Morpheus, so let's just touch on what it is because I feel like you, people you ask, be curious. I know. I feel like I feel like gosh, it's been. I think when you know Kim K and Jessica, I think it people were like, "Oh, what's this?" So it's radio frequency microneedling. So. It's different than the microneedling with the pen. Both are great. But you can go a little bit deeper depend with Morpheus. So you can actually remodel fat and and tighten the skin hmm. with it. Because it, it goes deeper. Because so it can it's go killing fat cells. Depending on the setting. So like somebody who has like a thin face that just wants, you know, some skin tightening, I wouldn't go that deep on them. I would just do more of a skin tightening type treatment. Mm -hmm. Well, the biggest thing that I've seen is a change in skin texture. I would say that that is probably the biggest difference I've noticed. Like they look like a, a filter, like their skin texture. It's, in, it's incredible. Um, I'm going to try it again. But so I have melasma and I feel like it mm -hmm. made my melasma worse on my forehead when I did it. Yeah, because it's heat induced. So anything that... Same thing why I don't use really IPL in my melasma patients because, yeah, it's going to get rid of it at first and it's going to come back with a vengeance because it's stimulated by heat, which is why people, even if they're wearing sunscreen or out of the beach, they'll start noticing their melasma come back. So patients that have melasma or even, you know, your ethnic patients, your olive skin patients, you want to typically pre-treat them with hydroquinone because what happens in our, you know, African-American skin, Indian, Asian skin when they heal, they tend to have like post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. So as they heal their pigment, they make a lot. And so you'll see brown spots or things like that. So in any of that, those patients, I always pre-treat them with hydroquinone like a few weeks before they come in for their treatment so that when they heal, they're not having that mm -hmm. issue. It is something like, and I tell people, if you were to have, you know, that happen, it's treatable. It's not like your pigments messed up. We'll just basically stop the melocytes from producing melatonin and then pull that pigment out. Mm -hmm. So same thing with melasma. I would pre-treat you before and then you won't have that issue. Mm -hmm. And it's not something you have to stay on forever. Yeah. It would just put you on that very simple once night, like once nightly. Yeah, just kind of like suppress them a little bit. Just suppress bit. them a little bit without... Because we're... It's not there at the moment. So I'm just preventing it from coming back. I don't have to treat it like it's there. Right. Yeah. So if you don't know what melasma is, it's like a hormone pigmentation on your face. Mm -hmm. It's also known as pregnancy mask because that hormones are like birth control can spur it for people. Mm -hmm. And so mine started when I was on birth control when I was 27 and I get it on my forehead and on my upper cheeks. 
and it's like herpes, it's there forever. <laughs> so you just have to be very aware of what triggers it, what triggers it and how to keep it in check. So it's, like I'll do hydroquinone at least once yeah. a year and <laughs> just kind of like calm it back down. Calm it back down. But yeah, it's one, it's just a stubborn thing and men don't get it. Of course. Of course not. It's different than like people are like, oh, I think I have age spots, but it's actually melasma. Melasma, you can kind of tell the difference because they're big patches of dark pigmentation versus like, like I've got a sunspot that I'm lasering at the moment and it's just different. Mm -hmm. um, but people that have it, they, they know what it is. Yeah. They, yeah. It so sucks. that's the thing with that is that you have to pre-treat them. Doesn't mean that you're not a candidate for Morpheus, um, but definitely, you know, yeah. something to take into an account. But yeah, it helps... Tighten the skin, and I tell people the same thing. If they have a really saggy neck, if, just have surgery. This is not going to give you facelift results, but it is something that you can add to your regimen to keep things where they are, to improve skin texture, some laxity to an extent. It's amazing for the fat under the neck if they're the right candidate. So like if they have a lot of fat, so this is, that's another complaint. I know I get off on like a whole <laughs> people that have this submental like fat. If it's truly just a little bit, I feel like Morpheus is great. Mm -hmm. If you have a good bit there and it, sometimes it's not just the fat, it is the muscle right. and it doesn't matter what age you are. So, I mean, I had a, there's another injector in town and we had talked about, you know, she's young. I think she's in maybe her early thirties. She actually had a look like, some of the fat removed and then the surgeon actually went in just right here and tightened her platysma because it was a laxity of the muscle and some extra fat there. Oh, I need that. Cause I like for me, it's not fat. Like it's a little bit, but it's more just like the shape of my neck right here. And so basically he kind of like tightened it up like a, like a corset. So now she's got this beautiful jawline. So I think it's recognizing who probably just go get a surgeon to look at it and see what they say. What surgeon was that? Ah, uh, I think it was Dr. Clymer. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to call him. I think, I think it was Clymer. <laughs> I'll have to message her and find out, but I'm pretty sure that's who it was. Yeah. I'd yeah. love to know. Cause I, I do, I think. And also like we're over here taking pictures like this now and we're all just like getting a complex yeah. of like what our profiles look like. We're taking so many videos of ourselves nowadays that we see things that you would have never seen it's so 15 crazy. years ago. It's unhealthy. Which it is, is. It is unhealthy. And like these, the whole filter thing. I mean, I, I just, I can't. It's no. so nuts. And the filters that are adding big lips, shrinking the nose. Oh my and then gosh. And your under eyes. So it's like we all, uh, those are the things we all want done now. And so Godspeed. No. It's just sad. Stop. It's yeah. super sad and like totally unrealistic and you know, I think the biggest eye-opening thing for me is, like, I have a lot of, like, you know, either clients that either do things on social media or that. And some people that I've, you know, seen in real life, and they're stunning. They look completely different online. And I'm like, you don't even look like the same person. You're beautiful in each each thing, but why are you different? feel the need to change so much yeah. about And, it, yeah, you're right. It's the most beautiful people that sometimes use I'm the like, most filters. And why? you're just like, why are we doing that? Okay. Yeah. I don't like, I like to get all my stories makeup free just yeah. so you all know what I look like. <laughs> it's unachievable and unrealistic and it just sets a whole, but that's what I think the uptick in like all the, uh, like our industry is and I should be grateful for it. But in, in certain regards, I'm also kind of sad. Mm -hmm. And this is like where we're headed. These young girls, I'm like, what are you doing? No, I will not treat 
these 20 something year old girls, like women, not girls, women, they're beautiful. Now there are certain things that if it is causing you distress and something that you've been really self-conscious about, I am happy if it's, I don't know, if it's realistic for me to, to correct that. Like if you don't have a chin and that's been giving you, making you feel bad and it's something that you've been teased. I'm yes, absolutely. But to enhance things that don't need enhance just because of this filter, this comparison trap thing that we're on with all the social media. Like, I don't want to do that. Like mm -hmm. to someone that's in their twenties, early twenties. I mean, I just, I, I think that you're stripping everything that makes you unique and beautiful. And yes, I'm happy to enhance certain things and do more preventative stuff for those, for that age group. Because I probably look like a preserved mummy if, like, we had all these things <laughs> in our early 20s that, the, that these women have now. And so I think it's just being a responsible, ethical provider in, in this and doing what's best for them and not letting patients dictate their own care. Mm -hmm. which, um, which I think you're really good at keeping everyone looking very natural. Like, I've never seen anyone in your no. office that looks crazy no, like it's we're not doing that yeah good for you for saying no like go elsewhere <laughs> yeah I'm like you why I don't want a cookie cutter you know why do you want to be a cookie cutter you, you don't want that and everybody just wants to look at these filters well why I mean then we just all look the same we just all have a ton of cheek filler and big lips and it's like that just doesn't right it's not the right thing to do and this is a, exactly why when people ask why I work at the hospital I need that I need to be grounded. I need some perspective on like, on things, you know, cause it's easy to get caught up in all of this and improving this and improving that. And you just need to kind of come back down to. Mm -hmm. That's actually such a good way to look at that because you do like, even in my industry where I'm online all day and it's like, you definitely get in your head about certain things. But I mean, you've also made like amazing improvements for some of my friends where it was just like little tweaks here and there. Like you yeah. did a chin on one of my friends and she looks amazing. Yeah. Like it like changed her whole face shape because she just had a rounder face shape. So if you give a little bit of lateral cheek, elongate the chin a little bit, it just, but no one, she just looks so great, but no one knows what it is that she did. Like she yeah. could just tell people she had a facial. Like no one would know. Right. Yeah. Or they're like, like, God, you look really good. You look like you lost a little bit of weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about filler migration because I, and we kind of touched on that earlier. Mm -hmm. So you can dissolve filler, but like what's the most common area where you see it? Oh Lord. The lips, dear God, people stop. What causes it? Uh, there's a couple things. I, th so I think that migration in the lips is inevitable. I think everybody at some point is going to get it. Even if you went to the best injector that used the most appropriate product, we're constantly moving that area. And so I think it's easy for things to shimmy out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is injection technique, depth. The deeper you go, the more likely you're, you are to get migration and product selection. So, you know, like Juvederm products, they're great in the right patient. They're not great in somebody who has no lip and you've put a whole syringe in. It, it holds like six times more water than other fillers. And which in some people you want that. You want the lips to fill out some. They Like I had a client, I was like, we're done. We're putting Ultra in. And she's like, huh? I was like, I'm doing it. Because no matter what I put in, I couldn't get her like a fluffier lip. Mm -hmm. 
So, but she has a lot of space in her lips. So in putting that half syringe in, she looked beautiful. But so I think a lot of it's product selection too. Um, cause it's going to take the path of least resistance. If you overfill a small lip with a robust product, it's going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and it goes like above the lip. So into the mustache area more often than below, or does it go below? I've seen it below too. Like you'll see this kind of like kind of fat part or puffy part underneath the bottom lip. Hmm. You notice it more in the top because there's more, I feel like you see more distortion in the top lip. So that ducky appearance, that like fat kind of upper lip or just the weird mustachey thing where people have this like, and a lot of that, there was this trend of this like tinting technique. I think that tinting technique is cool and it does do some pretty amazing things as far as when you're augmenting the lip, but you just can't, in my opinion, pull the filler to the border of the lip. Filler pulls water. If it pulls water, where's it gonna go? It's gonna go right outside the vermilion border and you're gonna have a mustache. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, there's just a lot of things that happen. But I think even over time, if you went to, like I was saying, someone with a lot of experience and they used they, their technique, I still think you there's a stopping point where you kind of just have to dissolve and start over. Mm -hmm. Like you just have a bunch of old stuff. It's been five, six years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so the dissolver is kind of painful, but it's fast. It's fast. And if you mix it like with, we, do, we mix ours with sodium bicarb and lidocaine and that will help take the burnout. Oh, good. But it takes a, a few days, right? Yeah. Like, so anytime you dissolve a lip, it, it, to me, it's super important. And I've actually seen this, like, they say two weeks to refill. Some people, like, literally can't, can't wait. But if they can wait a little bit longer, it's actually better. Especially if they had, like, really overfilled lips and the tissue has really been stretched out. Like, to give that lip tissue time to kind of get back, shrink back to what it was before, mm -hmm. you'll just have a better time. You'll get a better result refilling them and having that completely healed. But, yeah, sometimes, I mean, I dissolved mine. It had been years. I don't even know how. Probably, I think I started doing my lips when I was 30, so seven years worth of lip filler. Um, it took three vials of Hylinex <laughs> just for my top lip. The bottom was fine. I was like, I don't feel like I need to dissolve the bottom. I just had to, like... I didn't really like my lip shape. I felt like it, they were just a little bit starting to look a little ducky and you know, there's just no way to fix it. I had some migration underneath the lip, so you could see the filler like in the wet dry border. Mm -hmm. So I just erased it all and started over. They look amazing. Thanks. She has like lip goals. I'm always like, I want mine to look like yours because they have no lines in them. They're just like, they have no lines in all the <laughs> lip gloss. You're, no, your lips are amazing. But, um, okay, so I, I feel like we touched on all of that. Like, how much is Highland X? Like, how much do you charge Highland to dissolve? X, we do, it is kind of pricey just to buy, like, it, it ourselves. It's from a specialty pharmacy. So we usually charge 200 a vial mm -hmm. to dissolve. And it just depends on how much migration you have, what products were used, like a Vicross product. So Highland X breaks down cross-linking. Cross-linking is almost like, think of like a knitted sweater, like how that sweater is knitted together. Mm -hmm. Well, some sweaters are knitted a lot tighter than others. So if you have something like a Voluma, Vabella, Velour, any of those products, they're going to take more Hylinex because they're linked tighter together. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me, well, how many, how much is that going to take? I'm like, oh, you know, I don't know. We'll start with like, you know, one and a half, depending on what we're dissolving and go from there. Now, if I'm doing cheeks or mid-face, obviously I use a lot more, but yeah, it just, it just depends. And I like to do it slowly to allow the tissue to like accommodate to that, to the volume loss. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
Actually, we didn't talk about nose filler. Oh, don't. Yeah. You don't do it. I will not do liquid rhinoplasties. I get a lot of requests for that. I should send people this video of a occlusion that someone posted um, as an education video on Instagram. Um, so the vessels that, that are in the nose, A, are super small. Like I've seen it in, in a cadaver twice. There's like nothing, there's nothing there. And a lot of times when you're doing filler in other places, like say your mid face, you know, based on where these vessels lie and where you're at, like anatomically, like that you're probably less likely to hit a major vessel based on where you are and where the vessel is. Now there's always variations in anatomy, but when it comes to a nose, like there's no protection there. Like there's no, there is a layer there, but it, you can't feel it when you're injecting because it's just, so the, there's two things that can happen with a nose. A, you never want to do a liquid rhinoplasty on somebody that has had a nose job because you have, those vessels have permanently been altered. You've mm -hmm. cut, you've changed things. Rerouted blood flow. The vessels that are there, if you, you can get a compression occlusion, meaning that if you overfill that area because those vessels are so small, the weight of the product can occlude the blood flow. It's like, it's like having a weight on your foot, like my foot is falling asleep, same thing. Yeah. So you can get like tip necrosis, things from that. Those vessels also lead to your eye. So it is one of the highest risks of blindness mm -hmm. and it just is not worth it to me. If you have had, and I actually have filler in my nose, but I had it done by a plastic surgeon. So you know, I, I think that there's something to be said about when you have to refer people out and be a responsible provider, know your limitations and just certain things that you're not gonna do. I'm like, why? Why would I do something and take that risk? I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and also you're camouflaging something. So if you have a nose that's that you feel is larger and you've got a hump or whatever it is, well, I'm feeling the hump and yes, I've, I've like camouflaged it and kind of tricked the eye a little bit. But what's bothering you about your nose is still there. Mm -hmm. So just have a nose job. Right. I mean, I hate to be that blunt, but like I actually had this conversation with a client and she did go have her nose done. And not that I was like pushing her to do that, but this has been something that for her, like self-esteem wise has been so like daunt. Like it's just something that hung over her head, just like it did for me. And she had her nose done and she's so happy. Oh, like good. she's like this best decision I've ever made. Cause then look at rhyme places. They're not cheap. So you're going to spend... No. The filler lasts a long time there because you're not moving your nose all the time. But you're going to need it again. But you're going to need it again. So some people charge a couple thousand bucks. So you figure a couple of those, you could have had your nose done. So right. I, well, and also if you have it, can't you not get your nose done? No, you can. Oh, you can. They, I mean, I, I, have to, I actually will ask a plastic stock about that if they prefer to dissolve out if people were to have filler in there and then do the rhinoplasty or if it's just something that they'll just kind of deal with in surgery. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. Um... But yeah, I just think that, and there's clients too that I've had a couple clients that have had rhinoplasties and they may have like a little imperfection somewhere like I did. Then I, I just refer them to a plastic surgeon like let so-and-so, you know, just put a little bit of filler in there because they can handle the complication if they get one. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. They, they, they take down noses all day, every day. Like they, they know anatomy better. I don't care. Like, you know, I've done a lot of cadaver classes. I'm very well versed in anatomy, but I'm not a surgeon right. and I do not do facelifts all day and take down layers of you know, so there's just a certain place, I think, for plastics. That's actually such a good point because I've been learning about states that allow estheticians to do filler. And 
the way that you told me, like, you're just like, they don't, they're not trained on the anatomy and like, you're constantly doing trainings about it, but it's like, how, how is this even I don't thing? even know how they can admit it. And like, they're amazing. They know a lot about like skin stuff that I don't like. I learned from my esthetician all the time about certain things and why you would do this and that. It's just not something that like we spend a lot of, of time in. Um, and so I, I always have people like stay in your lane. Like there's a reason why nursing school is four years and then you go back to grad school and it's two years. So you've got six years, not, not including all the clinical stuff that we've done. Like whether we've worked in hospitals, mm -hmm. there's a critical thinking aspect to, to what we do and being able to manage complications. And yes, there's critical thinking in skincare and stuff as well, but it's just different. And I'm, and I hope I'm not insulting anybody by saying these things. No, um, I think any legitimate esthetician would straight up say, I fully agree. Like we should not be injecting. And I shouldn't, and there are certain skin things that like, <laughs> I, I don't know. And like, I will send to my esthetician because I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like this, I put them on this regimen and they just have other education that we don't as well. And so I think it's just about respecting where our expertise, what our licensure encompasses and like staying in your lane with what's appropriate and what's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean... Yeah, there's some states. I, it's so bizarre in Tennessee. If you look at, if you go to AmSpa, like estheticians, they're really not. They can. They're really not allowed to like break. They can do microneedling if they have a supervising physician. But other than that, like they're really lasers, lasers, cool sculpting, anything like that. Yeah, cool sculpting. I have to look that. No, up. they can do it. They can do cool sculpting. Yeah, it's. I had it done by an esthetician. I had no idea, and not that they're like less than. It's just fascinating to me coming from California because in California they can't do anything. Yeah, I know. It's it's very weird. But RNs can do everything in California, but like in Florida you have to be a nurse practitioner to inject or oh. a physician assistant or a physician. In Alabama, only physicians can inject. It's so weird. That is weird. That's, um, a, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? But yeah, I think people just need to stay like just and plus too like you know like you want to protect your license whether you're an esthetician whether you're a nurse practitioner or an RN whatever and when you start getting out of your scope of practice and you start being in that gray area you know you should you, you need to watch out like mm -hmm. you're you're I mean people have to be certified in the things that they're doing like even blood draws like yeah you can you can be an esthetician and draw blood but you need to have a phlebotomy you have to be certified in phlebotomy so right <laughs> you know like there's just you just be careful and I'm saying that as people in the industry working as well like you know always stand up for what you can and can't do and same thing with me I'm like I'm not dealing with that like that <laughs> is going to a surgeon Right. Or even I had a patient the other day, I was like, no, if, if this surgeon has done all this work on you and you're concerned about this scar line or whatever that they were talking about, I'm not touching that. Like you need to go back to your surgeon who's done all this work and mm -hmm. let them, that's their, that they, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the scars I've seen. Yeah. Oh. And I'm not, and I'm not a physician and I'm, you know, yes, I'm well educated, but I'm not a doctor. I did not do a fellowship. I did not do five years of you know, general surgery fellowship and then do a plastics, you know, go into plastics. I mean, and then think about the surgeries that they're doing. Like they're going to have, they're just going to do things differently. Um, but then there's a lot of them that I'll admit, like if you're not injecting filler all day, every day, that's not going to be, they'll yeah. tell you. They're like, they're, I'm not, I had one. He's like, I don't, I don't, mm -mm. no, it's not but my area of expertise. Like I don't I would, I do better in the operating room. It's, it makes more sense for me to use my skill there. And I rather have an injector in my office that that's their expertise. So, 
I think that I wish I the worst filler I've ever gotten the most painful was from a plastic surgeon in my under eyes it was <laughs> the worst experience I've ever done but um, so like what are complications like what's the most dangerous area besides the nose to do filler under eyes um actually nasal labial folds are pretty dangerous Oh, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Depending on depth. Yeah, because you have a big artery that kind of comes up like this. Um, that That's pretty dangerous. Um, I guess if you were doing needle to tear troughs, which you can, and a lot of people do, and, I, and as long as you know where you're at, I think that it's fine. But the more medial that you get, you you kind of run the risk of getting into some of the vessels closer to the to the eye. So what would happen... Like, what's the worst thing that could happen from filler? Uh, you could get a vascular occlusion, meaning that the gel got into a facial, uh, an artery in the face, and it's like a roadblock. Um, and so you'll start getting, like, tissue necrosis, meaning that the tissue starting to not get oxygen and starting to look mottled. It's an urgent, I know it sounds like an emergency, but it's actually an urgency, not an emergency. Tissue takes time to die. I know that sounds awful, but it does. So don't panic. So if, if you happens. if you recognize, most practitioners that are experienced will recognize something. So you'll see it as soon as it happens. It's delayed occlusions are pretty rare, and a lot of times if somebody does have that, it was just something that was missed in clinic. Like they had a sign of something, it, and it's easy to miss sometimes depending on what what area you're working on. So. Most of the time, you'll see it's an immediate thing, mm -hmm. and you treat it, and there's nothing, there's no real complications outside of uh, outside of that. So I would say the risk of these procedures are really low, but it is a medical procedure, which I feel like people don't always realize because it's like, oh, it's like in and out, like getting your hair done, you know? Mm -hmm. But there are risks. These things have to be treated like implants. They're in your fillers in your face for a while. Yeah. You know, you got to be aware that there are complications that can happen. You need to do like assessments before you see patients. Like, have you had any dental work? Have you been sick? Have you been on antibiotics? Have you, do you have any autoimmune disorders? Do you have any of that? Because that affects treatment. And if sometimes if we can do treatment at all. So, um, yeah. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I think I have an autoimmune disorder. <laughs> yeah. So depending on the autoimmune disorder, like, you know, I have several patients that have different like. GI things like ulcerative colitis, Crohn's. Um, I've had some that have had lupus. It just depends on like the patient, but I would choose my products differently for those people. I always give them the thing like, you are at higher risk for nodules than someone else who does not have this autoimmune disorder. But I would use something like Restylane, like Restylane Lift, plain Restylane, because the cross-linking is about 1% in those products. Versus like a bi-cross product with really, really high cross-linking. Mm. The body's going to recognize that as being more foreign than something that's cross-linked less. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. So like going to a really experienced injector that understands the products that they're using is really important if you have yes. something like autoimmune or... Yeah. I mean, and sometimes like with Sculpture, like there's certain autoimmune things that like you can use it for and others that you don't want to use it for you know like Hashimoto's which is like an autoimmune that's what I have I don't yeah. really get too worked up about that okay <laughs> um you know I, I just unless they're on a bunch of I, I just don't it, the autoimmune stuff that I get worked up about is like your lupus your Crohn's disease ulcerative colitis like things that people are having to take like MS stuff like that that they're having to take like immunosuppressant 
immunosuppressive therapy for, like your Humira, things like that. Because mm. their immune system is always suppressed and they just, they tend to have, you know, flare ups and things like that. So for people going in to get filler, how can they prepare? Like what should they do to have the best experience on their end? I try to do consults before just so they have like realistic expectations and we kind of know how much filler we're doing because then that can set up for what their aftercare is going to be and you know if I just do a little bit in my lips well I'm not going to look as bruised as somebody that right, we've done like a full face but as far as like things they can do at home it's like I tell people stop your insets your ibuprofen your naproxen those kind of things at least you know seven to ten days before also supplements people coq10 <laughs> Uh, your oh, turmeric, yeah. your oh. all of that kind of stuff. I love all of those. <laughs> all of it. They're great. You will bleed a lot, and you will have bruising. Can I do that for um, microneedling? Yeah, microneedling I think is fine because you're you may be a little bit bloody, but I don't think you're gonna like bruise as bad as as if you were on it and we were like doing a bunch of filler. Is omega three included in that? Yes. Okay. Like any of your fish oils, anything like that, you want to stop that seven to ten days before. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes vitamin E two. Some people forget that it's in like their multivitamin. Uh, what else? Alcohol. Alcohol for sure. Like it, you will bleed way more if you've had you know some cocktails within the last like few days before your <laughs> filler treatments, and if you didn't, so I always tell people I'm like. You know, like afterwards, I'm not so much of a big stickler because I think kind of what if I've bruised you, the damage is kind of done. I mean, you may get a little bit worsening of it, but it's you. It's really that prep work on the front end that mm -hmm. you know you want to do so that you don't bruise as much. And I, I tell people, I'm like, there was some picture, and I'm trying to remember what injector posted it. The biggest question we get is, will I bruise? Probably. Just set your, I mean, it literally is like a landmine in your face between the arteries and the veins and the capillaries. So plan on having something done two weeks before a major event. Mm -hmm. And some people are like, I don't care. I'll, I'll throw some cover up on it. But I always tell people, I'm like, if you do not want people to have any inkling that you have done anything, do not get any aesthetic treatments prior to an event. Even but Botox, you can bruise weeks. a little bit. Yeah. Two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. And getting both, one of the things, Botox to support whichever neurotoxin is your preference, you still can bruise from that. And if you get it done within a certain amount, like if you have an event, you know, on Thursday and you come in on Monday, well, you're just, like your neurotoxin's not even going to kick in all the way. Right. So two weeks before is what I tell people. And just plan on a little bit of bruising. There's certain things that we do to minimize. I try to use cannula, swap my needles out as much as I can. But, you know, sometimes... <laughs> it just happens. It just happens. I remember my friend went to you. I think it was the first time she did her lips, and it was like the craziest bruise ever. Dear God. <laughs> Dear Katie. Oh. It was bad. It happens. I had Yeah, I don't know. Some people, they're just, it's just <laughs> how they are. It's crazy. So. I mean, we could go on and on about yeah, sorry. all of these. All the things. There's so much to learn. There's so much to talk about. I feel like, I mean, if you're in Nashville and you want someone that's extremely amazing, come see oh, Shannon. She truly is the best and your staff's amazing. And just like, she has an esthetician, she's got Morpheus, she's got it all. But thank you so it's much. Fun. You're welcome. This is fun. This was fun. We're going to do a part two where we talk about Botox and a few more yeah. med spa services. Yes. Yes, but um, I definitely can't wait to get in. I just feel like probably one of the biggest things that people have a misconception of is neurotoxin, longevity, how long it lasts, how it works, the whole nine yards. And so I definitely want to go over that. 
yeah. with people. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we will do that on part two of this. So subscribe to my channel, follow. If you enjoyed this, please leave a comment and let us know what you yeah. guys thought. And any questions or any topics in this industry that you want us to touch on, we'll be glad to go over that next time. Yes. And then I will also leave all of Shannon's like ways to find her below and links to all the videos where I've talked about these things in more detail if you guys want that as well. Thank you so much for listening to Life with Lauren. If you enjoyed this podcast or it brought you any kind of value, I would absolutely love if you could leave me a positive rating and review. It means so much to me and it helps get the word out about the show. You can also find me on Instagram at lauren.arrow and I will talk to you next week.